it's such a perfect example of what we've been talking about that in those scenarios, we've failed as an organization to introduce the most basic elements of data literacy, which is curiosity that should drive us to investigate. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right, so what is going on? We are back at it. Uh, you know, I think we usually record on Wednesdays, so right? Yeah, and we're recording well, on a Tuesday, so I'm a little off my game here. But well, I, I was out good. last week. Yeah, I was yeah. out last week. We usually record a week ahead of time, so I, I I cut this one a little close. We're recording today, and I'm publishing it tomorrow. So I'm going to work tight. We're, we're tight this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's why this we're is what, this is what we do for our valued listeners. We got to make sure we keep the content going and fresh, you know? So yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes we have to uh, break our routine and go a day early. And I apologize for the sniffles with the little cold. So hopefully that's not too annoying. I'll try to mute as needed. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely the, the cold weather has, has gotten here. Yeah. Um, so I was in Florida last week and, um, you know, one, uh, we were talking backstage before we started recording about how I, I had a first there and rode out a, a hurricane there. And I mean, like I, 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 I'm, I understand, like I'm in a position to kind of joke about it because it wasn't that big. It, it yeah. was a category one. And I, I forget who I was talking to. I said, like looking outside, like, I think I've seen scarier storms here at home like seriously scary like heavy rains thunderstorms wind this wasn't necessarily scary but i think it was kind of deceptive it's one of those ones that like if you decide to get a little brave and go outside that's when you get like hit by something that just isn't tied down Mm. um i've seen those clips on youtube specifically like news reporters out in in the field reporting on the hurricane and then all of a sudden something comes across. I'm like, this looks really dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deceptive because it looks, it was like, we slept through most of it. Like um, it, it, we felt really well insulated in the hotel. So really didn't see any major issues with it. But yeah, I was like, I bet you this is one of those things where if you get a little brave, you go outside and that's when you get hit by something that someone just didn't tie down. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice. Like we were able to go swimming It you know, when the, after the storm passed we got two good days of sun and then i come home to 45 degree weather well i was talking to jason this morning he said they got snow out in pittsburgh so yeah they are i told him to keep it there (laughs) yeah um so so yeah so we're uh we're 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 gonna turn this one around really quickly um and uh and everything so uh so what's new with you uh, well, I got I got a new guitar, so I I, I saw the pictures. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, I don't know how to play the guitar, um, 
but being being an analyst, I'm keeping lots of data. So I'm now four hours and forty five minutes into learning the guitar. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to do a half hour a day, uh, and I uh, I have an app that I'm using to to teach myself. So I've been enjoying it, although my fingers uh, are are hurting. So I guess that's that's part of the process. You got to build up the calluses on the fingers. So any interesting if you're keeping the data, any interesting insights or, or findings not yet i mean I'm, I'm only a few hours in and i'm i'm trying to get over that hump of like having convinced myself because i i've played the piano for 30 plus years um that oh i can just pick up the guitar and it, i'll just start strumming out songs like i've been playing it for 30 years and clearly that was not the case so i'm just trying to play open strings and it doesn't even sound good so i'm like i've got some work to do so gotta reset my expectations Okay. But the guitar sounds beautiful and it looks amazing. So shout out, shout out to Randy for putting together an awesome custom guitar for me. It was a fun project. So that's awesome. Yeah. Super fun. So I got that going on. And as a bonus with this uh, app I'm using to teach myself guitar, it came with an app that apparently my seven year old had already downloaded on his iPad and was using the free version of, which was severely locked down of, uh, the similar app for teaching yourself to play the piano. And so he's been teaching himself to play the piano. And now that I got this app for the guitar, it unlocked both of them. So now he's got the full piano app. And uh, this week he has decided he wants to compose songs. So interesting. I, uh, I ran across the piece of paper on the piano the other day where he had drawn out some sheet music and had created his own, own song called It's Peaceful. Interesting. Okay. Song. So I'm like, all right, that's awesome. Um, but it led me back, and I think I posted about it on LinkedIn. You and I having conversations of just how valuable it is to model the behavior we want people around us to, um, to 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 kind of mimic and do. You know, we can. I could sit there and like try to teach him and tell him how awesome it is to play the piano and yell at him to do it and and what what ended up being the most impactful thing was just me sitting at the piano 30 minutes a day which i've been doing for the past year or two years and him watching it and developing the desire to do it himself i didn't even have to like beg him or say it. i'm like he just wanted to do it which is that, that's awesome. that's awesome yeah so it's been fun yeah and i mean it's it, it, it's a reminder that whether you're intentionally doing it or not you're modeling the behavior for for the people yeah. around you which is which is an awesome thought and a scary thought at the same yeah. time that people are paying attention and you know especially our kids and those around us like they're watching they they're seeing what we're doing so yeah and you you actually gave me the great uh, great segue into into our topic today and you made me think of something uh, a person I worked with God 15 years ago or so um, he had his his rules of engagement and one of them was, a bad environment will lead to good people behaving badly mm. because yeah. they, they, they see that, you know, the, the, ba- you know, they're observing the, the behavior that's modeled. It's, you know, well, if someone else is able to get away with it, why should I, you know, like they, they start to question their own integrity yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today is in, in continuing our topic and theme around data literacy, I wanted to pose the question of how can a low level 
of data literacy impact an entire organization? Mm. That is a loaded big question. <laughs> it is, but I think you you gave us an, a perfect in for it, which is modeling the behavior. Because if you go yeah. back to the previous episodes around data literacy, it didn't necessarily, you, you, we didn't talk about like understanding programming languages or understanding necessarily statistics or, or anything like that. It was really the lack of data literacy being around like the mindset that just taking things at face value, yeah. not asking questions, not being skeptical when there needs to be, you know, a level of skepticism is, is required. Um, and that's, I immediately went to, to those sentiments when we, when you were talking about modeling behavior, because in an organization, if, if we if we are to take what we talked about earlier, that people with high data literacy are going to ask questions, they're going to be inquisitive, they're going to poke holes in things, they're not going to take something at face value, then, you know, like it, an organization where you have individuals in leadership positions that have low levels of data literacy, they're going to model a behavior of, well, they say this, so we just do it. You know, we, we just, we're not going to ask questions. We're not going to be skeptical of the information we're being presented. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, that really that is the biggest thing, especially when we're talking about organizations as a whole, or even broader, just, you know, large populations of, of people where when we talk about data literacy, what we're not really talking about, as you mentioned, we're not talking about a, a really deep understanding of hardcore statistics and how to use all these different statistical models and theories and, you know, how to use R or Python to pull in your data to build some kind of predictive. We're not talking about any of that. You know, I mean, there's a time and a place for that and, and roles where those things are important, but for a broader organization or a population as a whole, those things are, are not important. What is important is that we're teaching people to be number one, interested and recognize, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell a little backstory here, recognize that data is all around us and being maybe not skeptical, but critical uh, of the data that we don't, just because a number is put in front of us, we shouldn't naturally assume that that's the right number or is telling the right story that the person presenting it is wanting us to to hear to to me that is the the most important thing um and interesting timing i was talking to to hila before we jumped on to record this episode and she her and one of our clients were talking and they were talking about as for analytics the book and and um our client was saying how much she loves reading it to her her young son and she's like, one of the most important things about this book is for you to realize that data is everywhere. And he's like, what do you mean data is everywhere? She's like, yeah, look around you. Like everywhere you look, it's data. And he's like, well, I'm looking at my closet right now. There's no data in there. And she's like, there's not. You know, can you count the number of clothing items you have in there? That's data. Can you start organizing it into shirts and pants? And then maybe you organize those into colors and, you know, group those. And that's data. And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't think of it that way. Um, you know, data is all around us. And and a lot of it is just around us to observe. Um, but a lot of it is being aggressively pushed onto us, again, by people that may not have our best interest in mind, whether it's in a business setting or in a personal setting. And I think the importance of data literacy is having enough knowledge, enough understanding to understand if someone is presenting me data, 
what is their angle? What is their purpose? What are they trying to prove? And then look at that data objectively to say, you know, does this make sense? Just having enough knowledge to ask that question, does this make sense to me? And, and unfortunately, not only do we not have that in many, many organizations, there are lots of organizations that actually say we don't want that. It's not like they're coming out and saying we don't want our, our teams to be data literate, but observe a lot of the companies out there and watch someone from a marketing team or a product team or an engineering team raise their hand in a meeting and say, I don't, you know, that number doesn't make sense to me. Nine times out of 10, you'll hear, well, that's not your job. You know, don't, don't worry about it. Like your job is to do X. You go do X. We'll, we'll do Y. And, and, and what they're saying is, is we don't want you to think critical about the data. But if we can't think critically and question the data, we're, we're never going to develop a level of data literacy in which we can have those conversations in a very healthy and productive uh, setting. And I, and I love the way you framed it, because, again, when we talk about it, we're not talking about like these hardcore concepts. We're, we're talking about a fundamental, like basic fundamental knowledge to be able to ask some basic questions. And again, for me, the question is, does, does this number make sense? Yeah. And I think that, that that's definitely one of the interesting things as we've gone through this topic. I was curious where you know, this, this theme um, uh, around data literacy, um, because I don't think we've ever mentioned it on, on the episode. Like the way I pitch this podcast to people when they ask about it, when we talk to potential guests joining us is um, imagine walking into a coffee shop and you see a few people talking work, what would you overhear as you pass by? You would hear a conversation that isn't structured. It's not structured questions looking to get to a specific outcome. It's a meandering conversation that goes off in different directions at times. And so when we started talking about doing a theme around data literacy, I just started to put together some, some broad questions. And yeah, like I, I'll say I even kind of am surprised myself that that we we haven't gone down and at this point you know we're not going to go down the road of well you need to take this level of statistics you need to un have this kind of math understanding you need to understand languages like r and python to be to really be considered data literate it's it's in the the you know uh, the, to use a cliche the soft skills yeah in the you know being being inquisitive using uh you know being socratic and asking just questions and following back up with questions um that is at the crux of being data literate yeah and it's it's such an important concept and you know e even with people that that do have a desire to go down the more technical i guess path within analytics it, it has to start with that basic just excitement to explore data you know the 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 desire to kind of pick and pull things apart and understand things that curiosity is is really at the foundation of of developing data literacy and you know i've talked to a handful of people that have said things like oh, i really tried to get into r and i just didn't get it or you know i signed up for this boot camp to learn about data sciences and it's so boring it just didn't resonate with me and i'm like well 
you know, what kind of problem were you solving? What, what, what was your interest? You know, what was your curiosity? Were you interested in, you know, downloading data at the, from the MBA to understand like shot distributions? Were you downloading, you know, data from Randy and I worked on a project where we, um, analyzed air quality data and impact on other kind of factors, you know, was that interesting to you? Like, I don't know. I just showed up and did stuff, you know, I'm like, well, of course it was boring. You know, you probably had like the uh, default data set called Iris where you understand the different petal sizes of plants. And if you're not a botanist, then that's not going to be interesting to you. So, you know, you have to develop that interest and just natural curiosity to understand things. And really the best place to start is things that are interesting to you you know, and um, not not to go down the path of how we can do better in school, but it's one of the things that I think schools struggle with. And I get it. They're trying to teach to a general, general generic population. But, you know, we're, we're killing this natural curiosity in kids where they want to learn about science. They want to learn about math, but we do it in a construct where it's taking these examples that are so boring to them and don't resonate. So it's just like anything else, you know, teaching data literacy is about finding things that we're naturally curious about. And as we started off the episode, name something you're curious about, and I will 100% guarantee it's data. There's a data component to every single thing that, that you do. So find something you're curious about and then use that to introduce yourself to the world of data and start expanding that curiosity and base knowledge so that, again, you can ask that fundamental question, you know, when the next person comes knocking on your door saying that they want your vote and they have a bunch of data that you can read their little handout and say, does this make sense? Are they lying to me? You know, that's where did you get this from? That's right. Where's your source? Can I go look at the data? You know, that's the level, man, that's for me. If we got to that level with the bulk of people in the world, it would be such a different place. Yeah. And it's funny. You talk about data being everywhere. Um, You know, I mentioned when, when we started, I was away last week, I was in Florida and we drove there. Um, And just like having the, the GPS up as as i'm driving and and you're seeing you know time to to next stop and uh you know miles and time and then of course like as i'm driving down the highway i'm doing math in my head i'm like Mm -hmm. okay i'm doing 75 miles an hour i got this many miles i should be able to get you know like what am i thinking i'm going to get get you know how soon i think i'm going to get there versus what the gps is telling me and then it's like crap there might be a slowdown coming up so i do i need to find another route which i had to do on the the last leg of the ride home as we were driving north um from florida when we got into virginia um we started to notice all of a sudden like the time to destination was increasing 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 and then as we zoomed down on the gps we just saw like several accidents north of richmond richmond into richmond virginia into dc dc into baltimore and i'm like crap we gotta find another route because it's either we take another route or we sit in traffic yeah and i i'm kind of giggling to myself again going back to the school example just think about how much more impactful it would be when we're when we're talking about data and math that instead of having the generic two trains left different destinations at the same time at what time will they get to the same it's like 
I have no interest in being a, a, a locomotive engineer. Maybe for some kid, if he does, that's an awesome example. But I can see, you know, little Jimmy sitting in the back of the class. But wait, I want to grow up to be the dad that goes from Florida to Philly in the least number of stops. You know, how am I yeah. going to do that? And that's yeah. interesting. Well, and that's the thing is, is so we did it two days going down and two days coming back. Like I know people who do it straight through. I've done it straight through. And I'll tell you, that is a rough drive. Yeah. Going, going straight through. Cause you're either going overnight and that's brutal. My sister-in-law does that for some reason. She is, she loves like leaving at 11 PM and driving straight through the night. I can't mm -hmm. do it. I've tried it before. I hate my driving dad, at night. Yeah. My dad and I did that and we were fine. Like driving at night. It was when seven 30 in the morning rolled around mm. and we stopped for breakfast. No amount of coffee yeah. was doing the trick. And the last like two hours were just like white knuckle, keeping the eyes open. And so like Suzanne and I have done it once and we decided it just, it, it, it was not, it wasn't fun. Yeah. So the flexibility that we have, I'm like, not everybody has it. So that's why they either fly there or they do the drive all at once and just fight through it. I'm like, let's take our time. We do it in two, two runs, you know, get from here to just past the South Carolina and Georgia state line. It's a good place to stop. You get in, you get some dinner, get a good restful sleep and then get up and it's four hours from there. But just the, 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 the second drive, the second day of the drive down, all of a sudden we just had multiple potty breaks um, because <laughs> we've got a three and a half year old. Right. And you just see the, how much more time it adds. And it's funny because you want to talk about data and data literacy. You know, when you're, when you're on a road trip and, you know, when you make a stop, it's not just the 10 minutes, you know, running into, you know, to get a cup of coffee and hit the bathroom. It's the slowing down off the exit. It's all of these things all of a sudden compounded. What feels like should be a 10 minute stop costs you 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's understanding that if you're going to do road trips and trying to hit certain times, because like we wanted to get down there by a certain time so we can enjoy the time down there. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think it's about, you know, these examples that I, I again, I think the big takeaway is that, you know, data is everywhere. And if we want to create a more data literate business team, state, country, we, we have to be open to finding examples that resonate with the people that we're trying to influence. You know, we talked about modeling this behavior. Um, we, we have to be open that a boring stats textbook is just not going to get the job done. Right. Um, and so in, in part, you know, that's about that's the reason why we wrote the book a is for analytics is we wanted to make it more approachable for by, for children but what we found out is lots of adults are reading buying it and reading it and enjoying it because we're breaking it down in a way that you know your everyday person that isn't engrossed in data and tools and doing what we do every day, it becomes approachable. You know, the examples, the, the illustrations that we used really um, were, were designed in such a way that they could become approachable. And, and, you know, the same advice applies if you're running a team, if you're, you know, a CEO of an organization and you want your team, your company to be more data literate, you know, telling them to go take a analytics boot camp, you know, is not going to get it done. Um, you, you have to work with individual teams and individual people and identify what is 
interesting to them? What are they curious about? You know, specifically to probably their their role, their job, and help them understand how data is impacting them in in that nature. Spark that curiosity and just lay that basic foundation for them to start asking informed questions and then support that at the team company organizational level by not smacking people's hands when they finally start getting to a point where they feel comfortable saying this number doesn't make sense. Can we talk through it? You know, rather than saying that that's not your job, say, great question. Yeah, that this doesn't make sense. Let's talk through it. I, I think this is the right number, but maybe the way we presented it is wrong or, you know, maybe the number's wrong. Maybe we did the math wrong or maybe the data set's wrong. So, you know, I really think that that's the path to getting to, to, you know, where we want to be. And, and while I have big visions of large groups of people raising data literacy, we have to start small. You know, as I talked, we started talking about my son writing his own music, like we have to model for the behavior for the people around us to start becoming more data literate. And then we create that ripple, you know, we create that coaching tree, whatever analogy you want to use. And it, and it really starts to grow. And so I think everybody listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm guessing has some kind of uh, affinity for data or analytics. Um, and I think all of us that are in that role, we have a responsibility to create a little bit of a ripple and help the people in our teams and organizations and companies and neighbors and family just become a little smarter about data and see, you know, plant that seed and see how it grows. Yeah. And you've brought up that, that example a couple of times. And I think that that's, that's the perfect example to start with, with answering the question of how can a low level of data literacy impact an, uh, an entire organization? It's the, the, the manager, the director, anytime someone asks a question, like, where did this come from? This doesn't make sense. Just kind of smacks them down and says, don't ask questions. It's not your job or we're just told this is what it is. The vendor said it's right. Like kind of killing any kind of inquisitive nature. Yeah. Like that is the first thing that will ruin and bring down the level of data literacy in any organization. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, yeah. I, and I don't want to like, you know, hammer this into the ground too much, but it is such an important point because whether you're doing things organically to develop more data literacy within your organization or just you've attracted individuals that are interested in data, the last thing you want to do is to squash that flame. And I have personally been part of organizations where I've seen that happen. And I don't know that I really understood it or realized it at the time, but now looking back on it, I'm like, is there any wonder this company's now bankrupt and out of business? Yeah. I'm like, not, not that that was the... The only thing, but I remember being in meetings where people who didn't have analytics titles, didn't have data roles, would would raise their hand and say, you know, I'm in this, I'm in, you know, this is, I'm doing this job and I'm looking at that number that, and it doesn't make sense to me. You know, what if it, and, and we're verbally smacked down, right? And the moment he's like, no, it's not your job. Don't worry about it. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Like, we shouldn't be, we should be doing the opposite. We should be embracing that and helping that flame grow into a strong fire rather than squashing this natural curiosity that, that, that people have. And I would like to think that that's happening because there just isn't an understanding of what they're doing. I would hate to think that's happening by design that, that leadership really doesn't want people to be curious about the data that they're sharing. I, yeah. I really hope that's not happening. 
Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's whether it's the, the person doesn't want to feel questioned or it's just the rush that we need to get it done. It's the, the, the squashing of questions uh, is, is going to push away any of the people that want to be inquisitive and want to think about things. Another similar behavior that I just thought of too, is the, you know, like people requiring um, employees to like know an answer right off the top of their head. I mean, we've all been in that mm -hmm. meeting where it's the, so, so, so how do we fix this? The, I'm not sure it could be this, it could be that is, 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 is also frowned upon. It's the, well, what is it? We need an answer. We need an answer now. What that's going to lead to is people not being invested, uh, not investigating, not being yep. to figure out what is really going on. And I'm just bringing up a situation with hey, there's an issue somewhere, Yeah, but it's the, it's going to lead to people just blurting out. It's this, whether it's right or not. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I don't know that I've ever crystallized this thought into such a clear explanation um before before our conversation because you know lots of people have asked me like well well how do we develop a more data letter organization how do we get people interested in data and i i'm sure i went off on some kind of rambling well literally do this and you know, analyze data and you know download python and you know and and all these kind of secondary and tertiary things when, when in reality it's it's much simpler than that and and really the the words that we keep bringing up is it's developing a natural curiosity that then is going to push you to investigate things and, and really supporting that and, and helping understand that, that regardless of what you do, there's, there's data all around. It doesn't matter if you're a chef, if you're an athlete, if you're, you know, a CEO, if you're a farmer, all of those roles have an incredibly important data component to it. We just have to open people's eyes to be curious about the data that's already there and how they can start investigating it to make what they do more meaningful. And, and I truly believe that. I truly believe when we embrace the data around things that we're passionate about doing, things that we invest our time in, and we then become curious to investigate how that data can make us better at what we do. I think it's such an amazing opportunity for, I mean, we're talking about businesses, but just people in general, you know, to, 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 to really be more amazing, take their, take what they do to a whole other level by leveraging the data that they're already creating. That's already around them. They just need that spark. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to like still that and use it. I think there's a lot that we can talk about. And I just love how like crystallized that just became in my mind. After like twenty years of doing this, yeah. no, it's it's perfect. Like and and uh, to to go along with that, like I said, like I wasn't sure where this this theme was going to take us, but like you you keep also talking about getting people interested. Um, I I I think back to this stats class I took in college. I mean, I almost failed it, and like the the professor like she was anything but interesting like she would just write a formula up on the board not give any kind of real life scenarios of like this is how you would apply it it was here's what here's the formula this is what it is and it wasn't until someone else was like yeah this is this is this this is that think of this as this and like and they honestly put it into sports analogies mm -hmm. <laughs> here's how you get batting average here's how you get this. Here's how you get goals against average and, and things like that. I'm like, 
okay, it makes total sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, that's that's like really hard at like a macro level, but yeah. so much more approachable at a micro level. And and why I think it's so important, especially for those of us that are entrenched that work in data every day to take that as an obligation to reach out to family members, to people we work with and find those things that resonate with them. You know, if batting average and on-base percentage for Jim, it's, you know, something else for someone else. Um, it's, you know, you know, how can we optimize the number of seeds that we can plant per acre for, you know, my gentleman farmer friends and, and help them understand that data is around them in everything they're doing and how they can grasp it and use that as a, metaphor for teaching some of these basic fundamental concepts you know we're not going to be able to teach the world that way but we can teach a handful of people and again i truly believe in this ripple effect that if we do that and we're successful doing that the impact we're going to have is going to be far greater than those five or ten people that we customize that mentoring to right it's going to multiply exponentially yeah and that's an exciting thing to think about and um, you know, something that I think we're, we're, we're definitely going to be talking about more going into, to next year. You know, I, I keep referencing the book. We've, we've had it out for, uh, almost a year in December, um, and really haven't done much to push it or publicize it, but next year we really want to use it as a platform to really start talking about why data literacy is so important and why we really invested in, in doing this project. I guarantee it's not making us money. And in, and in a lot of instances, it's costing us money, but we, we, we truly believe it is such an important thing. And, you know, I think we could probably be selfish and say, eh, that's not for us to solve. You know, we have, we have a hand selected set of customers that we work with and we're going to focus on them. And yes, that's important. But again, I feel like we have this obligation, this duty to do more. And, and part of that is really kind of kickstarting this initiative that data literacy is not only important, it's critical. You know, it's, it's critical for moving our society forward. It's critical to having healthy environments, whether it's political or business or, or home life, you know, we're so often manipulated in a bad way by data, by just adding a little bit of data literacy just think about the changes that that can make for, for the better. And, you know, we're starting in businesses, but again, it expands to every human on the planet. It's a big problem to solve. It is. It is. Um, I, I do. I, 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 I'm like going through my memory, uh, you know, like, you know, th through the various memories of various people I've worked with and, you know, some of the examples we've talked about already and then others that, you know, like when you have folks in an organization that aren't inquisitive, it opens the door for those that want to manipulate the data. Yes. Too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think I gave the example before when we were talking about utilization rates, like many, many, many episodes ago. And one of the things I, when I was part of that organization, it was an agency and yeah, utilization rate was was a yeah was a you know unit of measure like just about every agency but i saw a major problem where they made utilization rate the metric the goal mm -hmm. not to be like you know uh, you know having a goal of how can you you know make sure that you know i don't know i, I can't think of it i'm not going to waste time on it <laughs> but it was you know maintain an x percentage utilization rate and i'm like the problem with that, though, is is the goal 
rests in the hands of the people that directly impact that. Mm -hmm. And so when you do something like that and not think about what are we actually doing, you can't tell me people weren't fudging numbers to make sure that they hit that goal. Sadly, sadly, it happens all the time. And, you know, looking back over my work history, I, I have countless examples of, of people misusing data for their own personal gain. But it wasn't until recently. So we, we recorded a podcast with Evan LaPointe a few weeks ago. And one of the things that Evan has really forced me to reexamine is this belief that I have that everyone is inherently really good, has good intentions. Um, he's like, you got to stop believing that. He's like, you live in this idyllic world where you think everyone wants goodness for everybody else. And that's just not the reality. There are bad people out there. There are bad actors out there. And specifically in your role and the role you're playing with your customers is that if you are not helping them become smarter about data, you're, you're putting them in a position where they can be manipulated and abused by bad actors in their organizations that want to use data to abuse them. And that's your responsibility to help teach them so that they're in a position to not be taken advantage of. And it took me so long to accept that. I just didn't want to accept that, even though I have a wealth of data of my own that I've collected through my past experience that says he's right. You know, fundamentally, I'm like, I don't want to believe that. But, but you know, it's right. <laughs> it's true. And we all know it. Like everyone listening to this episode, I guarantee has at least one experience where someone in an organization they worked with worked at has used data to manipulate them and abuse them and do things that make them look bad so this other person looks good yeah it's a hundred percent i guarantee we've all been there yeah so when you have an organization where people don't question the information presented to them where it came from you open the door for that yeah. so if we were to take the first example you gave of the don't ask questions. That's not your place. It's not your job to ask questions of where this data came from. How was it sourced? How was it prepared? You've just opened the door for someone else to come in and say, well, here's, here's the data, take it. And this is what we need to do with it yeah. or because of it. Don't worry about it. Don't question it. Don't think Don't about it. Uh -oh. yeah. Red flag. Right. Yes. Um, and so while we're talking about the importance of data literacy, I think there's also a huge component of just the overall culture of organizations where we need to create places where it is safe and okay to question, to, to, to be inquisitive. You know, we, we don't want people, I, at least I don't think so. Like, tell me if I'm completely off base here, but I just don't think that we want to create companies where we want people to be robots. Otherwise, I guess we could just get robots, right? Like, you know, we could just have AI do the jobs. Like we, we hire people because we want them to use their intelligence. We want them to be inquisitive. We want them to question and push back. But maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we don't want that. I, I want that. Yeah. But I, I think to, to Evan's point, not everybody does. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times let's, let, let's face it. You have the Peter principle of play with people that get into upper management, they've been promoted past their, their skills, their usefulness, however, however it's specifically worded, but they've been promoted to a level. So they don't want people thinking because then they feel threatened because then they're going to be, they feel that they'll be exposed. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've seen that happen. So, yeah. 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 Um, 
Well, I mean, this is this has been a great conversation. Um, I want to start wrapping things up. We have one more episode, you know, uh, related to this theme coming up, which we're going to to record. But um, to to start the wrap up process, I'm going to ask the question that we we always ask to to tie everything together in the concept of low data literacy impacting an organization. What does that all mean in the in the idea of in the spirit of sustainable analytics? I, I will tell you that the common denominator of every business that we've worked with that has been in a low functioning state, um, specifically with its use of data, um, has been that they have failed to create a sustainable um, analytics practice because they've kept it siloed, because they have created that culture of this is our job you don't ask you don't question you don't prod you don't poke and there's no way that you can create an analytics program for a business unless you get the adoption and buy-in from the larger organization because you know you and i both know what happens when that isn't the case if if i don't make you feel included if i don't make it safe for you to be involved in what we're doing from a data perspective, what are you going to do? Screw you guys. I'm going to go buy my own tool and implement it and then just do my own thing. And now all of a sudden we have all these overlapping data sets that don't agree with each other and no one trusts anything. There's no way that you can build anything sustainable with, with that model. So if you're thinking about and you want to build a sustainable data program for your company, it has to be inclusive of the entire organization. Otherwise, it is near impossible to build something that will sustain over time. Yeah. And I just, I, I had I had to shudder there for a minute when you were talking about the, screw you, I'm going to go buy my own thing. <laughs> and then, yeah, then next thing you know, it's like, this team is using this vendor, this team is using this vendor, and we have this one, which we've invested a ton of time in, which one's right? That dreaded and be, question. And, beca- and because we haven't invested in even the fundamentals of data literacy, we have all these teams that probably have the right mentality and the right ideals for why they want to do it, but they lack the fundamentals. And so because we're not partnering with them and we have basically told them we don't want to involve you. They're now running things without the basic understanding to ask that question. Does this number make sense? So mm-hmm. whatever the system spits out, well, it's the one we're running. So of course it's right. Yeah. And it just is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because like human behavior has this bias of sometimes when you get the, when you ask a question um, and the first answer that seems right or is right, you just go with it. So the minute you get conflicting information, well, that, that can't be right. This information is right. The first answer I got is right. Right. So yeah, that's exactly it. You have someone that goes and implements a tool and they get the number five for the mm-hmm. question that they're asking, but the other tool returns number seven. That number five is right. Why is, why is that other tool wrong in returning a seven? Yeah. yeah. Without even saying, well, is one right? It could both be right. 
Right. Um, and, and again, I think both of them reach those values. It's such a perfect example of what we've been talking about, that in those scenarios, we've failed as an organization to introduce the most basic elements of data literacy, which is curiosity that should drive us to investigate. Because when those when those conversations happen, of course, it's right. It's our tool. It's the first one we implemented. It's right. We failed. Yeah. We failed to introduce the basic building blocks of data literacy. And that's a prime example of it shown right in our face. Remember that client several years ago that after we fixed something, asked us to break it because the num the fixed numbers <laughs> yes. were worse than the brokers and oh, they've been making decisions off yes. the broken numbers. <laughs> and instead of like, shit guys, we've been <laughs> making decisions off of bad data. And we need to get this figured out. Um, it's the just break it again so we can continue to make the decisions off the data we've been making decisions off of because we're comfortable with that. If I ha if I hear one more time in my career, can you just massage the current data so it looks good against the other data so we can do year over year comparisons? And I tell them, no, the data on last year and the year before are fundamentally wrong. And there's like, we know that, but we got to do year over year comparisons. I am going to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but that's why you need to ask questions. Yeah. Where did this data come from? How was it sourced? How was it generated? Yeah. So you don't just take data at face value. So you get presented with the scenario two years later like you have eight quarters of decisions based on bad data so let's sum it up and i think this needs to be a linkedin post we need to we we need to create curiosity in every employee within our organization for them to be curious about data so that they can then take the next step to investigate and ask those questions does this make sense and, and all the other questions that align with it. And just as importantly, we need to create, as leaders, we need to create an environment where employees feel safe doing that. Mic drop. Yeah. That, I, I, again, wanted to let that one sit because there is nothing to add to it. Cool. Cool. Was a good one. This was good. Yeah. And the 45 minutes just flew by today. Yeah. So... Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap up here. Um, where we've, like I said, we've got one more episode on this theme uh, before we wrap up. And yeah, this has been great. And it, again, it's gone in a completely different direction than I imagined when I started That's you know, plotting out these episodes. It's the beauty of this podcast. We just let it flow naturally. And I think, I hope it's providing some real meaningful and authentic value to people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up there and talk to everyone later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.